Welcome to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church in Donaldson, Arkansas. This is Elder Neil Phelan, Jr., preaching in our regular Sunday morning service. Every Bibles, let's turn to the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. I want to go to chapter 32 and verses 9 and 10. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture to most of you, uh, if you're readers of God's Word. For the Lord's portion is His people. Jacob is the lot of His inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste-howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. This verse of Scripture has to do with God's providence, and that's what I want to speak to you about this morning, is God's providence in the life of His people. Now, when we're thinking about things like providence, uh, there's three Ps that you might think about. One is prophecy. Prophecy is the foretelling of future events by God's ministers or by His prophets. Of course, the Lord is the only one that can see the future, so He's the one that gives them the prophecy. And Prophecy is, as I said, future things. Providence is the present and ongoing events and God working in the affairs and lives of his people. So we see prophecy is future. Providence is present, ongoing workings of God in our lives. And then we have predestination. That's another P. Predestination are the things that God has predetermined that will occur. Now, We don't want to get those things confused, but we do want to see how they work together because predestination, we can be certain that the things that God has predetermined to do are going to come to pass. But in God's providence, uh, we see God working his providence in his providence in the affairs of God's people to bring those things that he has said will come to pass to come to pass. So the Lord's always working in the lives of his people and in this world as we're going to see today. Sometimes uh, we know if God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. But the thing about providence is God might bring it to pass in one way or another. He may use one person or another person or other. If he says he's going to use a person, he'll use that person. But in providence, God may use his providence in a way that may be different from time to time. So we need to see those things are different. And it's always something good that God does. Providence is a good thing. It is a special blessing of God's grace that that is reserved for his elect family. And it's always something good, uh, though it may not seem good at the time. Sometimes God's providence is when he opens a door for us in our lives. And sometimes God's providence is when he closes a door in our lives. And sometimes we don't see that God's providence is actually doing something good when it is. uh, But later on in our lives, uh, we look back in our lives. And that's the thing about God's providence is a lot of times we don't see it as it's occurring in our lives, although something by his providence could be occurring to you right now. Uh, But the best way that we see God's providence is when we look back in our lives and we see the things that God has done for us. Um, So it could be a special miracle that occurred uh, that we're going to see some in the scriptures today, or it could be just natural events of life that God is working out in in your providence. And you may be able to look back in your life and see some very special instances of God's providence. Marilyn reminded me this week she wanted to know what I was going to preach about, and I said, I think I'm going to preach 
on God's providence. It's what's kind of been upmost in my mind this week. And she reminded me of a time that uh, we were first married and uh, she was needing to get her credentials for her uh, hearing, for a master's in hearing. And there was uh, a person that was going to help her with it who had a health problem, was not able to do so. And she was given a name of a person that uh, she had to see, meet this person, get to know this person so that this person could give her her credentials and, and, and meet with her and spend some time with her in her office. But at that time, Marilyn's mother was very ill, and she was taking her to the hospital at Little Rock. Uh, I think it was on a weekly basis, and we had a little baby, and she didn't have the time to get up there and find this person and meet this person to get her credentials. But they were at, uh, Marilyn's mother was taking chemo at Little Rock, and they were coming back from Little Rock one day, and uh, she asked her mother, is there anything you want to do while we're in Little Rock? And she said, I'd like to go buy service merchandise and get a stroller for Bryant. And so Marilyn said, okay, we'll go by there. So uh, they stopped by Service Merchandise to get the stroller, and they had ordered it. And I don't know if you remember Service Merchandise, but you'd go in and order something, and it would come out on a belt, and then you would get it. And they'd call your name out. That was back before the HIPAA laws. They could call your name out. And so they were sitting there and waiting for the stroller to come out. And over the intercom, this particular lady's name was called out. And Marilyn's sitting there thinking, that's the lady I'm supposed to meet. And so Marilyn walked up as the lady was getting her uh, order, and she said, are you so-and-so? And And the lady turned around at Marilyn and said, are you Marilyn Phelan? (laughs) And so at that very moment, by God's providence, Marilyn was able to meet that person and subsequently get her a licensure and everything that she needed. So uh, that was a very special blessing that she remembers in her life, and of course, many, many other things that uh, we have in our lives, I believe, are the result of God's providence. Um, You know, God's providence is not always some big thing that we're looking at in our lives. Um, I think every one of you could probably look at your life, and you could go back and see some things of God's providence. But uh, God's providence is involved in things that we may not think about, like where you were born, who who were your parents, um, things like um, this church, um, being able to come to this church and find out about this church. <clears throat> uh, as I was thinking about providence, I was thinking about when Marilyn and I first came to this church. Uh, we were married in this church, by the way, and we were not members of this church, nor did we even know what the primitive Baptist people believed. And the night before we were married, we actually were sitting on the front steps of this church, and um, a minister from another order was actually going to marry us in this church. And so we were sitting out on the front steps of this church, and we were, we were uh, talking about, you know, the wedding and where we were going on our honeymoon and about other things that we were working out. It never entered into our mind that we would ever be a member of the church of the steps that we were sitting on. We were going to another church. And so, as it turned out, we were invited to this church maybe a year later. Uh, We may have been invited more often than that, but it was a year later, probably maybe two years, that we visited this church on a Sunday night, I think. It was a night. Brother Bradley was here. And he was preaching on a sermon about the preachers that were trying to um, 
in the Armenian faith would try to get people to heaven by getting a preacher to an island. And if the island, if they don't get there, he said, if the preacher didn't make it to that island, do you think all those people on that island are going to go to hell? Well, I was sitting there thinking, well, no, I don't think those people are going to go to hell just because the preacher didn't get to that island. And then I saw what God's grace was, that Christ would reach his people that it wasn't dependent upon the preacher getting there, but that the Lord would reach all of his people. His blood would be sufficient for their sins. And we, Marilyn and I walked out on the front steps that night. I'll never forget it. And I said, you know, I believe what that preacher said tonight. She said, well, I've always believed that. My grandmother was deaf and she couldn't go to church. Now, my friends, that was God's providence, that we were here on that particular night, that we heard that particular message <laughs> and that we both agreed on it and we finally became members of this church. And so you look back and you see things that the Lord does in your life and you see God's providence. I believe my calling to the ministry was a part of God's providence. That being a part of this church, hearing the truth of God's word, the Lord dealing with me in my own heart, wanting to know more about the Word of God. That's God working in my life, in the affairs of my life, and calling me into the ministry. I remember one time I was doing something I shouldn't have been doing on Sunday morning. I was actually hunting, and uh, the Lord was already dealing with me to speak in the church. And uh, I was out in the middle of the woods. I was uh, riding down a road on, uh, in, my, uh, in my Jeep, and so... Um, I was really feeling condemned and guilty for being out there, to tell you the truth. And when I was coming back, this huge limb had fallen across the road in front of my Jeep. And I thought, how, how did that happen? The Lord's telling me something here. And, you know, you can see some things in your life if you're looking. And the Lord can be talking to you about it. And you realize that uh, you're in the wrong place or, you you know, it's, it's God's providence brings things in front of you to change your mind and make you go back and do something you should have been doing. But, you know, you're not, you're not here by mistake. Uh, if you're here this morning, you're here for a purpose, and God wants you here. And I always love the story of uh, Esther. And uh, Mordecai was her uncle back in the Old Testament. And um, they were going to exterminate the Jews. And Esther happened to be well-loved by the king, and she was in the king's palace, and her, uh, they, she found out about the decree, and the Jews all felt like they were going to be exterminated by this wicked king. And her uncle, Mordecai, looked at her and said, who knows that you're not brought into the kingdom for such a time as this? You can stand before the king and request the Jews to be spared. And this she did. But, you know, all of us have to remember that we're here for a purpose, and who knows that we're not brought into the kingdom for such a time as this by the kind hand and providence of God. So while the world might attribute a lot of the things that happened to karma or to the horoscope or something like that, we as God's people, we see God's hand in the affairs of our lives and in the providence that goes on every day in our lives. And we need to be looking for God's providence in our lives and to see the things that he's doing for us. And sometimes it's good for us to look back in our past life and to review and remember and be thankful 
for the providential things that God has done for us. As I was studying a little bit about providence, some people have compared providence to a wheel. And uh, they say it goes up and down. That God's providence goes up, and you're on the top of the wheel, and things are going really good for you. He's opened a door. He's provided a blessing for you. Or you're rejoicing in what's going on. And then sometimes you're at the bottom of the wheel, and you're down in despair, and, and you're worried, and you're praying, and you're asking God to bless you. And, you know, sometimes we're just kind of on the side of the wheel, and things are just seem to be going on as, as they always are. But as we look at uh, God's providence today, I think uh, maybe you'll see that this is the way how the Lord works in our lives. But the Lord is uh, always working in the lives of His people. We may not realize that He's there at times, but He's always there, and He's always uh, doing something for us. Jesus said, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. And when Jesus made that statement, he was talking, you know, you say, well, what's Jesus talking about anyway? <laughs> he hadn't gone to the cross yet, and the Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Well, he's talking about their providential dealings in the lives and the affairs of God's people. In John five seventeen, Jesus addressed the Jews uh, who wanted to kill him because he had healed a crippled man. You remember at the, at the, at the pool at Bethesda, uh, Jesus went to the side of the pool where people wanted to get down. An angel would come and trouble the water from time to time. And whoever stepped down into the water first would be healed. And so Jesus appears on the scene one day. And this is a, just a, a picture of his providence. He shows up and there's a crippled man who can't get himself down into the... Um, into the pool, and Jesus heals him on the spot. And, and anyway, that's when they said, well, uh, they accused Jesus of working on the Sabbath day. And Jesus said, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. Well, let's get to our text this morning. So uh, it's in Deuteronomy 32. <laughs> We've got enough introductory remarks. And so, uh, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in a waste howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. Now, if you'll read that and think about God's providence, you can see that this is a proclamation of God's providence in the life of Jacob. Now, Jacob is a figure of God's elect. Everywhere you read the term Jacob, God is referring to his elect family. That's why it says his portion is his people. So Jacob is a beautiful figure of God's people, and as we see the Lord dealing with Jacob in his life, I hope that you might see some reflections of his dealing with you in your life. God found him in the waste-howling wilderness, and that's a beautiful picture of God finding us in this world. It's not like God lost us, but it's when God got a hold of us. And uh, I can remember the time that God got a hold of me in a waste-howling wilderness and, and began to deal with me in my life. And notice what it said. It says, He led him about. That is a picture of God's providence in leading him through his life, opening doors, closing doors, bringing people before him. Some of the people that you have met in your life, some of your friends, are the result of God's providence bringing those people into your life. 
uh, there was a girl that lived a few blocks behind me here in Donaldson that I believe was a big part of God's providence in my life. She's my wife now. <laughs> you can see how that a lot of times God brings people into your life. You grow up in a place. There's things around you that God has placed you there for a reason and brought these wonderful blessings into your life. And it says he instructed him and he kept him. Now, if you'd ask Jacob early in his life, uh, do you see God's providence going on in your life? He probably would have said, I don't even know what providence is. And many of us in our early lives, we have never even thought about God's providence or his being there until we grew up a little bit. We matured a little bit. We went to church, uh, except until we go to God's house, there's a lot of things we don't know about. Or unless you read your Bible, and then you can start seeing some of the things that God is doing in your life. Now, Jacob, as we begin to look at his life and see God's providence in his life, I want you to remember what his name actually means. Uh, Jacob means deceiver or heel grabber. You'll remember he was born at the same moment with his brother Esau. And so, uh, and then later on, and when he was a young boy, uh, he stole his brother's birthright. His brother was starving to death, and uh, he asked Jacob to give him something to eat. And Jacob said, well, I'll give you something to eat if you'll give me your birthright. And he took it. And then it was time for the father to bless them. And usually the uh, blessing of the primary blessing went to the older son, who was Esau. And so Jacob dresses up and acts like he's Esau and goes into his blind father and lies to him. And his blind father places his hands upon Jacob and confers the blessing of the older son to Jacob. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I read that story about Jacob and Esau and we read the verse of Scripture that says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated, I'm thinking that if I were God, I would have loved Esau and not Jacob. But you see, that's the thing about God's grace. God loves us in spite of the things that we do, the sins that we have committed in our lives. And that's the big picture there concerning Jacob and Esau. Amen. It shows that God's love is sovereign, that God loves who he wants to love. But here we've got Jacob and he's starting off and I'm thinking, you know, if I'm God, I don't think I want to lead this guy through the wilderness. I'm just going to leave him out there on his own. I'll go over here to Esau. And by the way, I always have to put this footnote in there. Esau was a deer hunter, which is something that I happen to like anyway. So if I'm going to make a choice, I'm going to get the deer hunter and leave the mama's boy out of it. Well, uh, Jacob was kind of a mama's boy. He hung around mama's skirt all the time. And that's why mama actually told him to go in and deceive her own husband. And he was willing to do it. But anyway, you see how that God's grace works and that God many times blesses those that don't deserve a blessing. I'm glad to know that, that God blesses those who don't deserve a blessing. But anyway, uh, we go to Genesis uh, chapter 29 and he's out in the wilderness because he has to, uh, let's go to chapter 28, but uh, he, uh, he has to leave home because his older brother is, is set out to kill him. Because he's stolen his birthright, he's lied to his dad and, and the things that he's done. And his father actually tells him, you need to leave because your older brother is going to kill you. So he's out there in the wilderness wandering around. And he said, I want you to go over to the, to the uncle's house and find you a wife of our family. That's what they did in that day. They married within their families. And I want you to marry somebody that is of our kin. I don't want you to marry one of the Canaanite women out there. I want you to marry somebody that uh, is part of us. And so uh, Jacob was willing to do that. Uh, he honored his father in doing that. 
And so he's headed over to Laban's and is going through the waste howling wilderness. And in verse 11 of chapter 28, it says, And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was setting and took stones in that place and laid them for his pillow and laid down in that place to sleep. Well, he lighted upon a certain place. Now, does that not tell you something about God's providence? It's a certain place. God is already leading him along and he's going to come to this place. And in verse 12, it says, And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and the south. And in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Well, here is a promise of God. It's something that God has already determined, and you can be sure it's going to come to pass. And there's even a messianic prophecy involved here. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed, speaking of Jesus Christ. But as he's dreaming, in this particular place, he sees a ladder set up on earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. That tells us a lot about God's providence, is that angels are involved in God's providence. We see them going up and coming down, and going up and coming down. And one comes down and does some of God's bidding. Whatever the Lord has bid this angel to do is just a figure of it. And then they go back to the Lord and um, as if the Lord needed them to tell him anything, but they go back and report to the Lord. We see that in the book of Job where we find this celestial meeting and the angels are there with the Lord and Job's name comes up and we can see that there are some providential dealings going on in the life of Job. And we see God's uh, providence with angels many times in the scriptures, more than I will have time to mention to you today, but I'll just give you a few of them. Uh, you remember when uh, Mary was a spouse to Joseph and she was with child, the Lord sends Gabriel down and, and tells Mary what's going on in her life. Well, Joseph is going to put her away. He's, he would be heartbroken thinking that she had been unfaithful to him, but what happens? In God's providence, he sends an angel down and speaks to Joseph and tells him that uh, Mary is, uh, has been overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and that which is born of her is going to be the Christ child and she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus and he shall save his people from their sins. And so that's part of God's providential dealings and, and their particular life. So God created all of the angels. There's more angels than you and I can number. Uh, if we begin to read the scriptures, we find that there's an innumerable company of angels. Uh, uh, it's been said hundreds and hundreds of thousands of angels. Uh, they're around us all the time. Uh, in Psalm 68, 17, the uh, psalmist writes, The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. And so we're not supposed to worship angels. But we are to know that they are that God created them, that they are uh, uh, celestial beings that He has um, has created, and they're everywhere watching over God's people. Now, 
that's something that you might want to think about from time to time. That, you know, we're not alone down here. <laughs> we are with some of God's creatures that we don't even see. We see, uh, uh, see them every, they're everywhere. You know, on the mountain, you remember that Abraham was about to slay Isaac on the mountain, and the angel of the Lord called to him out of heaven and said, Abraham, uh, and he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God. So here's an angel on the mountain and speaking to Abraham to spare his son. And, you know, on the sea, the Apostle Paul, I thought about all the places that angels are mentioned in the Bible. On the sea, the Apostle Paul is on a boat. He's a prisoner. Uh, They're headed, I believe it was towards Rome. And uh, they're in this huge storm called Eurachlodon. And it looks like the boat's going to sink. And everybody's getting ready to jump off the boat and throw everything off. And uh, Paul, uh, as a prisoner, uh, said, There stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. And he said to me, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. He said, you know, nobody's going to lose their life. That was an angel of God. I believe that was the person of Jesus Christ in that particular event. But interceded in providence to tell the Apostle Paul something. You know, even on the farm. <laughs> Uh, God's providence is even on the farm. You remember Gideon in the Old Testament, God had chosen him to be a judge over Israel. And they, uh, they tried to grow their crops, but they never could harvest them because the Midianites would come in and take all their crops away. And we've got Gideon over there. He's been chosen by God to be a judge for Israel. And he's hiding out uh, among some of the stuff that he's harboring, uh, afraid of the Midianites. And, and you read over there, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. <laughs> I'm sure Gideon's thinking, you talking to me? Somebody might be standing behind me here, but you see that's God's providence coming and dealing with Gideon, and he did become a judge in Israel. Remember how they slew the Midianites, just a few men, and they slew hundreds of thousands of the Midianites. That's God's providence in the affair of Gideon and in the lives of God's people. In Acts chapter 5, we find the angels involved in providence in several occasions. Uh, one of them is when uh, they had placed the apostles in prison. And it says in Acts 5.19, But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go and stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And so the angel came and opened the prison doors. And that probably makes you think of that event. With the Apostle Peter, <clears throat> Peter had been thrown in prison, and I'm sure he was thinking, this is going to be uh, my last house <laughs> I'm going to live in, because they had just put James to death, and they were going to please the Jews, and they were going to put Peter to death. And uh, as you go to Acts chapter 12, you see that an angel comes and, and, and uh, starts to uh, wake Peter up, and Peter thinks he's sleeping and dreaming. And so uh, the angel goes before Peter, opens the prison doors, opens the gate, takes him out, and he finally comes to himself and realizes that an angel had come in there and gotten him out of prison. But that's God's providence in the life of Peter and in that day with God's people. And you may be saying this morning, well, you know, that's only for Bible people. Those are things that happened back in that day. There's not any angels, anything going on in my life today, but I want to tell you that there is. 
You know, God's providence is not just in things that happen. God's providence is also in things that didn't happen. You didn't have that wreck. You didn't fall off that cliff. You didn't, you know, all the things that God's angels are watching over us and blessing us. In Psalms 34 and 7, it says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. And you might be saying, well, the Lord didn't intercede in this particular event. Well, it wasn't his will to do so. And it may be something that we don't understand down here. But I can promise you when we get to heaven, we're going to understand everything. And we're going to say, Lord, I understand it now. And I see why things happened as they did. It was painful for me at that time. But I see that you have always had a plan. And everything that you have done has been perfect. It reminds me of that person uh, that went to the carpet factory one time and they were looking at this carpet and they said, you know, that carpet is really, who would want to buy that piece of carpet? It's really an ugly carpet. And the person said, you're looking at it from the wrong side. You're looking at the bottom of the carpet. And sometimes in God's providence, we're looking at the wrong side of the carpet. Uh, we're looking at the, the bottom of it where all the seams come out and God's on the other side and he's got this thing put together and it's beautiful when you get on the other side of the carpet. So let's go to the uh, 28th chapter of Genesis and um, we see that God is watching over Jacob. He's blessing him. He's leading him about as the apple of his eye, and uh, Jacob is a figure of, his all, of us all. And so you go to uh, chapter 28, and, the, and God's promise to him is going to come to pass. And so he gets, uh, uh, he leaves this place where he saw the angels coming up and down on the ladder. And we go into chapter 29, and so he gets to the uh, city where his father-in-law lives. It says, uh, Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked and beheld a well in the field, and lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks, and a great stone was upon the well's mouth. And thither they were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. And Jacob said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? And they said, Of Haran are we. And he said unto them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said unto them, Is he well? And they said, He is well, and behold, Rachel his daughter cometh with the sheep. And he looks up, and by God's providence, here comes his wife that he doesn't know is going to be his wife. There's Rachel. It's, it's amazing how God's providence is always right on time. Right on time, God's working things out. It's, it's, you know, sometimes we think that things aren't happening the way that we think they ought to happen, as fast as they ought to happen, the way that they ought to happen. And God's working things out the way that he wants it to happen. And if he wants it to happen, I can promise you, <clears throat> it's going to happen. But here he is, and he, he shows up here. And the very person, he finds out about his uncle, and the very person that he's going to marry shows up at that very moment. Well, I'm sure when he sees her, he cast his eyes upon her, and he immediately fell in love with Rachel. Now, that's part of God's providence. She's right there. So he goes with Rachel, meets her father. 
And the first thing he wants to know is when he can marry this beautiful girl. Well, Laban, he's kind of a little deceiver himself. Jacob's about to reap a little bit of what he's sown in his own life. He's deceived people. He's about to be deceived himself. So Laban said, well, okay, you can have my wife, but you're this girl for your wife, my daughter, but you're going to have to work seven years to get her. Well, he was happy to do that. I mean, as long as he could be working and she's going to be right there uh, in the house with him. Uh, and, you know, she's, she's promised to be his. She's not going anywhere. She's not going to run off with some other guy. I mean, he's happy to work and do that. So he's working for him. Seven years rolls around. He's ready to marry her. So they get the wedding all fixed up, and uh, they go through all the wedding ceremony, and uh, they have a big party. And anyway, um, he goes into the tent, and he thinks it's Rachel in there. Well, the father deceives him and gives him Leah, the other daughter. Well, he wakes up the next morning and finds out this is not Rachel. That ought to tell you a lesson. You know, if you're going to have a bachelor party before your wedding, you better be careful. <laughs> you might wake up with somebody you don't know. Anyway, that's exactly what happened to him. And he wakes up and he realizes he's been deceived. Well, here you got the wheel going up. The wheel went up and he meets Rachel and he's very happy. He's working seven years. He's the happiest man on planet Earth. Well, here comes the wheel down and he has this wedding ceremony and he wakes up and he's not even married to the girl that he wanted to marry to be his wife. So he has this conversation with Laban, the father. He says, you know, I was supposed to get Rachel. Well, the deceiver father said, we well, you know, we don't really do it like that in our country. The oldest daughter has to marry first, so this is why I did that. He said, but I'll, I'll let you have her. You're just going to have to work seven more years. <laughs> you can go ahead and have her, but <laughs> you're going to stay here seven more years. Okay, so he gives him, gives him Rachel. And so uh, here's the wheel goes back up. He's got his, the girl that he really loves. And so he's working seven more years. And so he keeps working for this deceiver, and uh, meanwhile, he's having some children, and he gets ready to leave. Well, the father-in-law doesn't want him to leave because he notices that everything that he does, that God is blessing it. God blessed the work of his hands, his cattle are growing, and the, the, you know, so uh, Jacob's trying to figure out a way he can get out of this place, and, uh, but, but meanwhile... We see that uh, he's having some sons born. Now, if you'll look over here and you'll see the names of these sons, you might see some providence going on there. There's one's name is Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. While he's there working for this guy, being deceived by the man, it seems like a, a bad thing's going on in his life. But what's actually happened, if you look at the whole picture of everything, what's going on? You've got the 12 tribes of Israel right here. These 12 sons that are going to be born to him are going to become the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now you can expand this a little bit and you can see that God's providence is not only happening in his life, but God is bringing a bigger thing going to happening in this providence that he's dealing with in this man's life. And you're going to have, as I've already said, the 12 tribes of Israel. So... Uh, as he's uh, working there, he feels like that he's being cheated. But finally, when he leaves, 
because he had to stay there for that length of time, he walks out of that place a very wealthy man. So God is watching over him, blessing him, leading him about as the apple of his eye. You know, uh, we see this kind hand of God's providence extending into the life of his son. One of his son's name is Joseph. Now, that's why I bring that up, because I want you to know that God hadn't run out of providence. You know, he didn't, he didn't run out of providence with the apostles. It's extending to you and I today. We are a part of God's providence every day of our lives. But I love to see God's providence in Jacob's, uh, Jacob's life, because, I mean, in Joseph's life, because to me, I can see God's providence even more so in Joseph's life than in Jacob's. You remember, Joseph was well-beloved of his father, of Jacob, and Jacob made him a coat of many colors. Well, his brothers were very jealous of him. And so one day when they were out in the field, remember, they threw him in a pit. Well, the wheel goes down, right? He's thrown in the pit. He's hated by his brothers. But at the right moment in time, by God's providence, what happens? They're going to leave him there for dead, but here comes the Ishmaelite traitors. They show up and his brother sells him to the Ishmaelite traitors. Well, there's something going to happen here that God's already got worked out and he's going to work it out by his providence. And that is that Joseph is going to become the most, second most powerful man in all of Egypt and he's going to provide Israel with the place to live for all of their family. So he's sold into the hand of the Ishmaelite traders, and here they come into Egypt. Well, who, who does he meet? Well, he meets Potiphar. Potiphar meets him, buys him, takes him to his home, places him over all of his crops, all of his goods, all of his family, everything that he owns, and he sees that his house is being blessed. And the Bible says, and God was with Joseph. Well, you think, well, I don't, it doesn't look to me like God's with Joseph. Joseph's just been sold as a slave. But the Bible says God was with him. And you know, sometimes, my friends, when we're going through a great trial in our life, and we're at the bottom of the wheel, you just remember that God is with you. You may not think He is, but He is with you in ways that you don't even know. So he's sold to this guy, and things start going good for him. Well, his wife, you can read about it, tried to get him to be unfaithful to his master, and he didn't do so, and she accuses him of doing something ungodly. So he's thrown in prison. And there goes the wheel. He's down on the wheel on the bottom of the wheel again. It looks like, how can God be with this man? It says God's with him. Now he's thrown in prison. Well, he's down there in prison. But you know what? While he's in prison, he's going to be the best person he can be. You know, that tells us no matter where we are, let's just be the best person we can be wherever we are. And so he's down there in prison, and uh, he's, ele- he's elevated down there to be over all the other prisoners. And he has this dream, and... Uh, um, he, uh, the butler and the baker have a dream. He interprets their dreams. And so, um, anyways, it turns out the uh, Pharaoh has a dream. And they said, we know a guy down there that can interpret dreams. By God's providence, the person is there at the right time saying that he can interpret dreams. He comes up, he interprets the dream, and he's made second in command in Egypt. 
And you see how that God's providence worked in his life to bring him to that place that he was. And you know what? Most of us, if we look at God's providence, that's why we're where we are right now. It's by God opening doors and blessing us in ways, special ways, that we didn't even realize what he was doing when he was doing it. And I've got a lot of things in my own personal life that um, I look back and I see God's hand of providence in my life. Probably a dozen. I could take your time this morning, but I'm not going to do so. Uh, my knee's kind of hurting, but I'm just going to end this morning with um, a song that we sang. The last song we sang this morning was written by William Cooper. It looks like Cowper, but it's pronounced Cooper. God Moves in a Mysterious Way is the name of that song. And most theologians say that that's probably the best song that's ever been written on God's providence. That song was written, and, and William Cooper was a person that was prone to depression. Uh, he was uh, bullied as a child, often depressed during his life uh, in many ways, um, up and down in his life. So one night he decided he's going to end his life, and so he's going to throw himself in the River Thames. And so he hires a coachman to take him there. It's on a very foggy night in England. And so the coachman shows up at his front door, picks him up, and they drive around in the fog for, it says, for what seemed to be hours, probably a couple hours. And finally the coachman said, I can't find the river. And they turn around and look up, and they're right in front of his house where they started. By God's providence, he didn't throw himself in the river. And he walked in his house and he wrote this song. God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform. He sets his footsteps on the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break with blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his works in vain. God is his own interpreter. He will make it plain. That is a beautiful picture of God's kind hand of providence in our lives. Thank you for listening to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church. This has been Elder Neil Phelan, Jr., preaching from one of our regular meetings. Come and join us as we worship God in the simplicity of Christ every Sunday morning at 416 North Hall Street in Donaldson, Arkansas. At Harmony, we don't have many things that are so common in the religion of our day, but we do have a successful Savior. We invite you to come and see.